Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 340 of the podcast, unless you're joining live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Today is Sunday, December the 3rd. December is upon us. I don't know about you guys. I've already got my holiday decorations up. We had the uh, annual holiday parade in my small town here in Florida on Saturday, I guess, yesterday. Uh, And it was a great time. The kids really enjoyed it. So that's it. It, We're... uh, we're full tilt uh, towards the holidays. There's no turning back now. It's all downhill from here. Uh, here, my buddy Matt, the mechanic, is on the show. Uh, you guys may have heard the Picks and Pours episode last week, which actually got posted on iTunes and all the audio platforms. But typically, it's exclusive to YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed to YouTube. Turn on your notifications. Uh, so you can catch that show where Matt the Mechanic comes on and makes picks, and I criticize him for those picks. And I guess I'll have to criticize him this week because he was only like one for five. Uh, but he's commenting on my audio here because I do have a new microphone after six and a half years or so of doing this podcast. I don't know. I'd have to do the math. Maybe it's seven years. Uh, finally invested in a new microphone. I got to sort out the stand situation and I have to figure out the plugs because I don't have enough USB-C ports uh, to accommodate a charger, this microphone, and my monitor here, which provides all my information. I would be lost without it. Uh, So I'm going to have to get a splitter or something to sort this out. But yeah, let me know what you guys think. New microphone. Um, so hopefully it makes me sound a little bit better. Dare I say professional? Uh, yeah, we'll figure this out. I got to get a stand for this thing. I bought this microphone thinking that it came with a stand and here it goes. Um, you know, it's just kind of, I'm just kind of balancing it on the desk in front of me for now, but I will get a stand for it. I promise you guys, Matt kind of guilted me into into getting this thing. I was just going to go with another like generic microphone. Um, But, you know, Matt convinced me that after so many years, the the listeners deserve uh, better audio quality. So I went ahead and invested in in a in an actual like better quality microphone for you guys. So I hope you appreciate it. Even though my voice is still a little rough uh, from the the cold or whatever it was I had last week. Uh, If you didn't catch Thursday's episode, uh, on the way back from New York, I I caught some kind of cold, had a fever for a couple of days. And uh, then I lost my voice for a day or two. Um, it's kind of back, but then I then I got hit with allergies on top of that. So here we are, just you know, trying to force it all down the pipe with whiskey. I'm getting in the holiday spirit here. I'm drinking some uh, Knob Creek smoked maple uh, bourbon. 
here, which I usually don't like by itself. I usually mix it into cocktails. Um, but I had a cocktail or two earlier, so now I'm just pouring it straight. I got a little cinnamon stick in there too, which I may or may not have set on fire. Um, good weekend for me. Hope everybody else had a great weekend. Awesome weekend of combat sports. Uh, I took my daughter to a little movie theater in town today. There's a restaurant, uh, here in safety Harbor. They have a movie theater in the back and they show like, you know, like not new run movies, but older movies. So all through December, they have Christmas movies. So you can go, it's like five bucks for a ticket and you go sit in this back room. They have like 30, 30 chairs, uh, with tables and you can order food. Um, place has pretty good food as well. It's called Giga Waters. It's like a, like a prohibition style restaurant. <clears throat> Funnily enough, I'm wearing my anti-prohibitionist shirt today. I don't like to get into politics as you guys know, but this is something, um, that I stand firm on. I'm definitely against prohibition. So I'm just going to go on record saying that, uh, I don't think that should come as a surprise to anyone, but, um, yeah, my, my wife had plans with, uh, with, with some of her girlfriends today, they, they went into Tampa to do some stuff. So, uh, I took my daughter to the movie. They were playing, uh, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, which, uh, was, was a popular movie with me in my childhood, uh, growing up. It, it depicted like a lot of my ideas of what Santa Claus was and, and ties up a lot of loose ends. And, and she really enjoyed it. We had a big old bucket of popcorn and we had some burgers and just had a great time. I, I love that my daughter's at the age now where, where she can enjoy movies. It's a really fun age. Um, and then, uh, I also introduced her to jingle all the way with Sinbad and, and, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger which was another big one for me as a kid. Um, and needless to say, she loved it. Um, and I can verify that by the fact that we watched it three times this weekend. So uh, definitely uh, getting my fill of holiday movies early on in December, as well as, uh, you know, all the fun of, of the elf on the shelf and things like that. All you parents out there can relate. I have the alarm set on my phone to go off every night. So I know, um, you know, to relocate the elf. Um, and it, as much as a pain in the butt as it is, uh, it's so awesome to, to see my daughter wake up every morning in December and, and look for the elf and, you know, have a little story to go along with it. And, she like kind of interacts with it and and tells it things that she wants it to do. It's it's really fun, you know, despite how much I might complain about having to hide a thing <laughs> every day. Um it it really is a fun age and uh and uh I want to enjoy it while it lasts. All right. I know you guys didn't come here to talk about Elf on the Shelf and Jingle All the Way and the Santa Claus and all that stuff. So let's talk about some fights, shall we?
<clears throat> gonna wash down some more of this uh some more of this sore throat mark fellows says i sound like john morgan now with some deeper bass uh that may be because of the microphone and uh it may be because of the tail end of this cold that i've been battling and it may be because of the whiskey but either way i'll take that as a compliment mark i appreciate it Mark also says that uh, John Morgan is in MMA reporting and he's not as well known as Bill. I don't know about that one, but I'll take that as well. I'll take all the compliments these days. You know, we we could all use a little uh a little self esteem boost, especially around the holidays, right? All right, let's get into UFC Austin. This was a fantastic card. Some incredible finishes on this card we had two slam ko's back to back uh how do you get better than that one of my favorite knockouts of all time is rampage jackson in pride when he knocked out ricardo arona who was trying to catch him in a triangle picked him up and slammed him knocked him unconscious one of my all-time favorite knockouts i'd say easily top five um and we had two very similar ones in the UFC. I don't remember the last time I've seen anything like this. But we'll get there. Let's start at the top. Armand Saryukian, uh, with a beautiful first-round knockout of Benil Dariush. Um, just a perfectly timed right hand. Smashing the jaw of Benil Dariush. Sending it clear across the cage. Uh, it was perfectly timed, perfectly placed. Uh, it was really a work of art by Armand Saryukian, who was very fired up going into this fight, very fired up during the fight and in the post-fight as well, which is where things went a little bit south, for me anyways. So he has this beautiful performance. He says his next fight he wants to be for a title. Uh I don't think anybody would argue that. I mean, he just he just beat Benil Dariush in a main event uh, in devastating fashion. So who would deny him a title shot, especially since he had such a close fight with the champ, Islam Mahashev, uh, about four years ago? Um, here's what I didn't like. He, you know, he he was hyping up his performance and saying he's deserving of a title shot. I'm good with all of that. Uh, then he went on to say that he was happy to see Bobby Green's head get bounced off the canvas in the co-main event. Now, these two had a little bit of friction. I'm not sure what exactly went down, but Armand confronted Bobby Green uh, earlier in the week and, and said, hey, man, I heard you're talking some shit about me. And then Bobby Green was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but do we got to do? And Armand then, um, you know, put his hands on Bobby Green, shoved him, uh, kind of gave him like a little throat shove, neck punch kind of thing. And um, this this is what I, I don't like. I don't like to see stuff like this, this kind of thuggish behavior. And then when you're talking about being happy, seeing another person get injured in there, in a fight in which a lot of us would probably agree was a, a bad stoppage. Jalen Turner um, 
you know, was forced to put more unanswered blows than necessary on Bobby Green because of the refereeing there. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But when you start talking about wanting to see people get injured, that's when, that's when you're not talking about sport anymore. You know, I know this is a violent sport. It's a rough sport. Uh, and, and trust me, when I'm not talking to you guys, I'm a, I'm a rough enough guy in my own right. You know, I train all this stuff and I've been doing this sport for a long time. Um, and I may have hurt a person or two along the way, and I've never felt good about it. Uh, which was one of the things that, that kept me from competing more is I don't enjoy hurting people. Uh, I don't enjoy seeing people get hurt. You know, for me, this is sport. This is entertainment. Um, and once you start getting into the territory of injuries and things like that, um, you know, that's when the humanity has to come into play. These are human beings in there, and we can't lose sight of that. Once you start wanting for people to get hurt and to get injured, um, you know, that's when you and I are not on the same page. Uh I, I never hope, you know, I, I have people that I root against for sure. I have people that I root for, for sure. Um, but I never want to see them hurt anybody. I never want to see anybody get hurt. Um, so when I hear a fighter saying these kinds of things, uh, it's a big turnoff for me. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing Saryuki on uh, stay on the bench a little bit longer. I don't know if it's just an immaturity thing, you know, he, he still is only like 27 years old, but you got to cut that shit out, man. You want to fight for a title? You want to be a champion? You got to start acting like a champion. Don't go around talking about how you're happy that other people get hurt. You and Bobby Green are in the same weight class. Why don't you just, you know, sign a contract and get in there and settle it with him uh, if you have that much of a problem with a guy? Uh, other than that, it, it's just words. Uh, none of that should be hurting your feelings so bad, whatever he said. I don't even know what he said, but it couldn't be so bad as to um, make you want to see the guy suffer brain damage or CTE or something like that. So let's cut that shit out, Armand. And, you know, let's, let's start adopting some more champion-like behavior. Um to, to go along with these championship caliber performances that you're putting on. Um, th this was definitely uh, some of the best he's looked in a long time. And unfortunately for Benil Dariush, this is pretty much <clears throat> the nail in the coffin on his championship hopes and dreams because he's, he's up there. What is he, 37, 38 years old? I can look that up real quick. But, you know, this is back-to-back -back knockout losses at the – all right, he's 34, but Oosh. sorry, Benil. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to put you up there in uh in my age bracket, buddy. Um but yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean he should definitely take take a lot of time off from training and from sparring. And he definitely shouldn't fight for at least six months, which is going to be a huge setback. 
And then what do you do with Benil Dariush? I mean, if you look at the top five, all right, he's, he got knocked out by Oliveira. And he just got knocked out by Saryukian, who's going to move up in the rankings here. Um, but he's got a dominant win over Matouj Gamrot. You're going to have to put him in there with like a Dan Hooker when he comes back. Um, and, and if you're looking at the bottom of this, man, there's just no easy fights in this whole top 15. Um, and looking at this now, I'm not really understanding these rankings because Drew Dober is number 15. I don't know why he's there when Matt the Steamroller Frivola knocked him out um, fairly recently. Bobby Green is 13th. He's probably going to be knocked out of the top 15. Um, yeah, it's not looking good for Benil Dariush as far as reaching that championship that I know he's been working so hard towards. Back-to-back uh, -back knockout losses is something that's really hard to recover from. So uh, he he's going to have to have the stars in line. Uh, he, he's going to have to take a lot of time off and, and let his brain heal up and then uh, get back to the drawing board and, and take a fight that will hopefully, you know, leapfrog him back up to the position he was at. As far as Saryukian, I don't think he gets the title shot right away, but, you know, he may have found himself a fight with like a Dustin Poirier um, or, or someone of that caliber, Michael Chandler maybe. Chandler and Saryukian would be a fun fight for sure. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, Co-main event, Jalen Turner gets it done against Bobby Green. So this was the one fight that Matt the Mechanic got right on the Picks and Pours episode last week. Um, if you heard that episode, uh, Matt was siding with Jalen Turner because they both uh, collect tarantulas, breed tarantulas, practice husbandry, uh, which which was a new vocabulary word for me last week. Uh, means like the, the breeding of creatures or some shit like that. Uh, but they both do that. So Matt was pulling for Jalen Turner. Jalen gets the first round knockout against Bobby Green. These two had a little bit of history. They trained together, but uh, they seemed to squash it uh, at the end. And I saw a nice video on Bobby Green's Instagram where he congratulated Jalen Turner and said that he was happy for him and his success. Um, and that's really cool to see. You know, that's the kind of sportsmanship. Uh, that I like to see and the and the kind of humanity, you know, Jalen Turner bowed to Bobby Green in the cage after the fact. Um, and and that's what we like to see here. You know, even if there's some animosity leading up to it, they settle it in there and they're both accepting of the result. Uh, and, and that's what the sport's all about. It's not about wanting to see people get injured and get hurt. Speaking of which, you know, Kerry Hatley – the referee in this one, um, he screwed up. And from what I understand, he is aware that he screwed up. So, you know, all the comparisons to like Mario Yamasaki and Steve Mazzagatti are, are not really warranted because Kerry Hatley, you know, admitted that he made a mistake and, and he feels really terribly about it. Uh, 
So if you didn't catch the fights, which I'm assuming you did, but if you didn't, you're just tuning in for a recap. So Jalen Turner drops Bobby Green with a really nice right hand that kind of skimmed off of his shoulder, but then still hit him like pretty clean on the side of the head. And he was face down on the mat. Jalen Turner got on top of him and dropped, I want to say, upwards of 10 unanswered strikes to Bobby Green's head to the point where he completely stopped moving, at which point uh, Kerry Hatley did step in and stop the fight. But it should have been stopped sooner. It was a late stoppage. It was not a good stoppage. Listen, I mean, it's a hard job. I don't want to beat up on the guy. He's already taken a beating online. Um, I've been in there as a referee uh, for Muay Thai, not for MMA. And it's really hard to make decisions at the spur of the moment. You know, when you you think you know how much someone can take, so, you know, you kind of allow them to take it. Um, it's a fine line and it's a line that was, that was crossed pretty egregiously on Saturday night in Austin, Texas. Um, but Kerry knows he made a mistake and, you know, I'm sure he feels like shit. Uh, it seems like Bobby Green is okay. Um, but it was one of those scary knockouts where he was taking unanswered blows and then, the, the lights were completely put out and they didn't need to be. Um, so hopefully Bobby Green is okay. Hopefully, you know, Kerry Hatley learns from this experience and, um, you know, we can all see some better refereeing going forward. You know, when you have a guy like Bobby Green in there, <clears throat> you probably give a little bit more leeway with the stoppage because you know what a tough dude that is. You know he can bounce back. You know if you stop it too soon, he's going to be uh, right up and in your face. And th- I'm sure those things are going through your mind as a referee. So it was a bad call. It was a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't say Kerry Hatley is someone who is uh, a serial offender when it comes to this. Uh, and... uh you know, we all move on. Great win for Jalen Turner taking this fight on two weeks' notice or whatever it is. Um, he's definitely going to move up in the rankings because of this one. Who do you guys want to see Jalen Turner fight next? You know, he's ranked twelfth going into this. He was actually ranked ahead of Bobby Green. I gotta say, Jalen Turner and Benoit Saint Denis would be a really fun fight. That would be a really fun fight. Jalen Turner and Armand Saryukian would be a fun fight. Uh, let's see. He's already fought Mataj Gamrot. That didn't go well. Jalen Turner and and Dan Hooker again. I would love to see a rematch of that fight. It was a fantastic fight the first time. Um, yeah. Let's see. Take a look at the, some comments here. Mark Fellow says, congrats on your correct picks, Matt. Sorry, pick, singular. Oh, man. Mark and Matt going at it again in the comments. And 
I am not disappointed. I have to say, I kind of I kind of enjoy their their banter. All right, Davidson Figueroa making his bantamweight debut, and it went a lot better than I anticipated. Fairly dominant win over Rob Font here. Uh, he just kind of smothered him. You know, he was able to get him down a couple of times and got him thinking about that takedown. So he was able to stifle him on the feet as well. He landed some big shots um, and really just derailed Rob Font here. Uh, I have to say this was this was pretty unexpected for me. I was expecting Rob Font, um, you know, to be able to get it done in there against the the rising in weight Davis and Figueredo, but you know, he takes out the number eight ranked Rob Font. So where do we go with Davis and Figueredo here? You know, do you bump him up a little quicker because he is the champion at the weight class below? I say we go right for Davis and Figueredo and Peter Yan. Um, that's my vote. I would love to see that fight. I think that would be a really fun fight. I think it would be really interesting. Um, you know, Peter Yan possibly has tighter striking than Rob Font. Uh, maybe a little bit better takedown defense. Um, I, I I think it's a really interesting matchup. I don't know what Peter Yan has on the books, but if he doesn't have anything, let's book this fight now. Because we have a bit of a logjam at bantamweight right now. You know, we got the former champ Henry Cejudo's floating around looking for a fight. We don't know what Aljamain Sterling is going to do. Marab Davalishvili is a very clear number one contender that Sean O'Malley is is opting not to fight right now. He wants to settle a score with Cheeto Vera first. Uh, who's ranked number six. So we got people all over the place here. You know, we have, uh, we have Song Yadong and Chris Gutierrez fighting in the main event next week. Uh, we got a couple under Maga Medovs creeping up the rankings. Uh, Bantamweight's a really fun division right now. Uh, as for Rob Font, you know, I, I think obviously he deserves another top 10 opponent in his next uh, fight, you know, maybe Pedro Munoz, maybe uh, Jonathan Martinez, uh, something along those lines. Sean Brady gets it done, submits Kelvin Gastelum in the third round. Up to that point, uh, it was the Sean Brady wrestling clinic. Um, you know, he was able to take down Kelvin Gastelum at will, which didn't totally surprise me, but it surprised me that he was able to do it like from the jump. You know, I thought he would have to wear on Kelvin a little bit, uh, allow that that big weight cut back down to 170 to kick in again uh, before he was able to uh, get him to the ground. But no, Sean Brady, I mean, he's a thick dude. He has great MMA wrestling. Uh, the way he mixes in his level changes it is excellent. Uh, he's able to just drag guys to the ground and and smother them that's what he did with calvin gaslam not the most exciting performance not the most exciting finish especially on this card i'm pretty positive he didn't get a, a performance of the night bonus but you know gets a kimura win um a kimura is something that we don't see a whole lot in mma it's usually something that's used to to set up a transition or a sweep 
It's not something that we see finished a lot. Uh, it is a strong man move. So even if you have it completely locked in, there is a strength element involved to the Kimura shoulder lock. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not strictly like, uh, Oh, my jujitsu technique is, is better than yours. And I'll submit you with a Kimura. Um, it's not that type of move. It, it does still require an element of strength being stronger than the person that you're trying to submit with it. So, uh, that was definitely on display for Sean Brady. And take another quick peek at the rankings here. Yeah, Sean Brady's a lot to deal with. Um, <clears throat> and he called out Ian Gary, which is interesting. He said if Ian Gary gets past Vicente Luque, he wants that fight. It's an interesting call out because Ian Gary is currently not ranked. And Luke is ranked number eight. Um, let's see. Oh, Mark is telling me all eight finishers got a fight of a uh, performance of the night bonus. That's interesting. That's really cool. All right. So the 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 boss man was impressed with uh with the UFC Austin card. I was too. I mean, if I I can't write those checks. I can't just give out, you know, 500 grand uh, in a night. But, you know, if I were able to, I would love to, to give one to everybody. You get a bonus check and you get a bonus check. Just like Oprah. Just start, you know, signing checks left and right. Um, sure. Um, but if I were going to pick like three or four or whatever it is that they normally do, um, you know, sorry, Sean Brady wouldn't wouldn't have been included, but uh, I am glad for him that that he got that extra money. So it's interesting that he calls out Ian Gary because Ian Gary is fighting Vicente Luque uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, he will get himself into the top fifteen. He's a hot name right now because of all the drama with his wife and Sean Strickland and all that other bullshit that we don't need to get into. So it is kind of a buzzworthy name. Um, so if Vicente Luque is not able to derail the hype train, then Sean Brady wants to be able to do it. And, you know, it was an unexpected call out. You would think you would call out somebody in the top five. You know, you've got Rachmanov, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Bilal Muhammad, and Kamaru Usman all ranked there. You know, assuming Usman stays at... Uh, Stays at welterweight since his last fight was at middleweight. That that short notice uh, fight against Kamzat Shemaev. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so interesting. And I mean, if if Luque beats Gary, then is Sean Brady going to want to fight Vicente Luque? Because Luque is still... Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Ian Gary is ranked. He's actually ranked number 10, right behind Sean Brady. Okay, so Sean Brady is ranked right in between Ian Gary and Vicente Luque. I don't know why I thought Ian Gary wasn't ranked. I guess it makes sense because he beat uh, Neil Magny in his last fight. Um, all right, so that's that. I stand corrected once again.
Joaquin Silva getting a unanimous decision over Clay Guida, but how do you not respect Clay Guida? He's like 41 or 42 years old. He was in there with that kid, man. And, you know, it, the first round didn't go so great with him. He got hit with some hard shots, wound up on the bottom. Uh, but then he went back to his corner and said that was his best round. If anything, you have to respect the mindset of Clay Guida. Like, that guy is such a competitor. And I've been saying for a long time, I think Clay Guida should be in the Hall of Fame just for the fact he's been in the UFC for 18 goddamn years. You know, who else has been able to do that? Who's been able to put on that kind of a run besides like Andre Arlovsky? Who else, who else has been able to <clears throat> stay in there and stay competitive this long? Um, Clay Guida is a damn warrior. Um, uh, I have so much respect for that guy and <clears throat> he looked really good at moments of this fight. You know, he was relentless with that takedown in the second round. I'd say he won the second round. And then the third round was close. Uh, he looked like the the less fatigued fighter at the end of the fight. But, you know, uh, Silva did enough to get it done. And he was very humble about it as well, which was nice to see. A lot of respect for Clay Guida by Joaquin Silva. Um, uh, Dustin Stoltzfus. <clears throat> Getting it done against Punaheli Soriano. This one went pretty much as I anticipated. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, to uh, reference the Picks and Pours episode on Thursday, my breakdown of this one was that Soriano is most dangerous through the first round and a half. And sure enough, once we got past that point, um, he, you know, he was just gone. He was just fatigued. And Dustin Stolzfitz was who who didn't look like a world beater in there. Um, you know, he was able to get Soriano to the ground, get him with a rear naked choke. Um he had to switch up a few different grips. Uh he he kept going for the modified grip, and what he would do is he would have his elbow flared out, uh, which is which is something that I hate to see with the modified grip for the rear naked choke because I'm a big fan of the modified grip uh, rear naked choke for MMA because it's just so difficult to get the hand behind the head with the four ounce gloves on. Uh, I've always had a hard time with it. Uh, I see guys in the gym all the time, have a hard time with it. It's still like probably the number one submission in MMA just because you know, when guys get tired or they get hurt, they tend to give up their back and kind of, you know, let people get that choke in. But when someone is actively defending it and they're fresh, um, it's hard to get that hand behind the head. So the modified grip is a great way to go. But uh, when you have the arm flared out, you just can't get enough pressure on the neck and on those carotid arteries. So what you have to do is you have to have the non-choking arm kind of in line with the shoulder blade to be able to put enough leverage uh, to make it an effective choke. Uh, in any case, Stolfitz was was able to get it done, but it took a, a, a few grip adjustments before he got there. Uh, but Soriano was so fatigued at that point that he wasn't putting up much of a fight. Misha Tate getting it done 
uh, dominant win over Julia Vila. Just took her down at will, was just beating the brakes off of her, pillar to post rounds one and two. And then third round, she's able to get the submission. They're calling it a face crank, but who cares? Tap is a tap. I was, I always laugh at the people in the gym that are like, well, that was more of a crank uh, than a choke. It's like, yeah, but you, you tapped, didn't you? It's like Mr. Chow. It ro- always reminds me of Mr. Chow from The Hangover. But did you tap? <laughs> so what is he, what's the actual line? But did you die? <laughs> yeah, so face crank for Misha Tate. You know, proven she's still got it. Um, weird seeing Misha Tate on the on the prelims you know we were talking about this last week as well um and let me just pull up the uh the bantamweight rankings here uh okay misha taint was ranked number 12 and julia avila was ranked number 13 so with that fight misha tank misha tate joins a uh an elite crew of fighters uh, former champions who fought on the prelims after being champion. Uh, and the group only includes Andre Arlovsky, uh, Nico Montagna, and Carlos, Carlos Barza. As far as, uh, as far as my listeners research goes, uh, shout out to Fletch, uh, for doing that research for me. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Just four fighters in the history of the UFC. Uh, have been champions and then fought on the prelims. Uh, I imagine her next fight will not be on the prelims. I wonder who it's going to be against. You know, Yana Santos makes a lot of sense. Uh, a rematch with Holly Holm makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, that could easily be a main event of a, of a fight night. Um, Shit, man. Honestly, that could probably make the you know the opening of the main card of UFC 300. Misha Tate and Holly Holm rematch. That was a great fight the first time. That was one of the one of the all time greatest comebacks. You know, Misha Tate was not doing well, and then um, choked out Holly Holm. Had her had her season up in the octagon. That was that was a great moment. You know it's a great you know it's a great fight moment when you remember where you were when you saw it. I was actually in a theater in New Jersey at a watch party hosted by Jim Norton, the comedian who does the uh, UFC Unfiltered podcast now with uh, Matt Sarah. At the time, I don't know if he was doing that podcast yet. I think he was just like an MMA fan. So it was a Jim Norton stand-up show <clears throat> and then they showed the uh and they showed the pay-per-view on a screen. And I think Jim Norton was giving commentary in between. That was in Montclair, New Jersey. However many years ago that was. All right, let's talk about these slam knockouts, shall we? Uh, Cody Brundage slamming Zachary Reese. Uh, and then following up with some punches. And then Drakkar Close slamming Joe Selecki, who was going for an arm bar. 
he picked him up and and slammed him kind of to the side, slammed him on the side of his head. It was so brutal, especially when you watch the slow-mo replay of it. Listen, if you're going for an arm bar and you get picked up, you got to let that shit go. You, and you have to, you know, try and break fall. Um, you can't just let yourself get slammed right on your head. That's so dangerous. Uh, that's so much more impact than just getting punched or kicked or kneed in the head. And I'll never forget um, one of my first jiu-jitsu instructors, shout out to Alan Teo, um, Henzo Gracie Fort Lee instructor. Uh, he's a Henzo Gracie black belt. I want to say third degree, but I don't want to misspeak. Um, uh, I want to say third degree black belt. He was like the same black belt class as Matt Sarah. But Alan had been training with Henzo for a long time. So he was kind of training jujitsu when MMA was just starting to come about. So they brought Alan in to train with uh, this middleweight MMA fighter. I don't remember who it was, but he said they were training basically on like, uh, on like a mock octagon space. So just, plywood with canvas over the top of it and he put a triangle on this mma fighter and alan is a long lanky guy uh he tri triangles tons of people uh but he he puts this guy in a triangle the guy picks him up slams him on his head knocks him unconscious and this was in training and uh he said it it made him it made him rethink uh putting triangles on people uh, and, and whether or not he would go for that submission, like in the street, because yes, yeah, sometimes <clears throat> if you hold on to it, just right. Slamming can make the triangle tighter, uh, but it can also knock you unconscious. And that's what we saw with the arm bar here with Jakar close and Joe Selecki. So Jakar close, you know, picks Joe Selecki up. He was in a tight arm bar. Um, and, and just slams Joe Selecki on the side of his head. It was it was kind of scary to watch. Unbelievable that we saw two of these slam knockouts back to back uh, in the UFC because this is something that we haven't seen for a long time. But I warn people all the time, man. It's great if you train jujitsu. Fantastic! It's awesome for self defense, but. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you will be safe in a street fight because you know jujitsu. Even if you get to the point where you break someone's arm, uh, that may not stop them from attacking you, right? Uh, so definitely, first of all, avoid street fights at all costs, right? Try and talk your way out of every situation. Don't get involved in a physical altercation in the street. You know, I don't care <clears throat> how much jujitsu you have. I don't care if you're a blue belt or purple belt or even if you're a black belt. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to a street fight, there's just so many unknowns. People have weapons. People go punch you in the face. People could slam your head on the concrete. And, and that's it. Your life has changed forever. So just... <clears throat> you know, definitely train jujitsu for self-defense. Like everybody should know how to defend themselves in my opinion, but 
don't mistake that for, you know, don't let it give you a false sense of safety. You know, don't be comfortable, like, fighting someone off of your back if you don't have to. You know, use your jujitsu to create some space and, and get the fuck away from somebody that's attacking you. You know, call the police or, or, or do something else. Uh, because if, if somebody like Drakkar Close is out there and you try and break his arm, he's going to take it personally. He's going to slam your face on the fucking sidewalk. Um, so, yeah, just be careful out there, folks. Uh, Adolfo Bilato, uh, TKO over your Poteria, Poteria. Um, this was an, uh, an interesting comeback, uh, cause Poteria was, was beating the shit out of Bilato, um, especially at the end of the first round. And then, um, damn near finished him. And then Bellato was able to get on top towards the end of the second round and uh and get the TKO there. But uh it was it was at a point where the fight could have been stopped the other way, uh, with Potieria winning. <coughs> so great comeback win for Rodolfo Bellato. Sorry guys, my throat's getting real dry here. I'm out of whiskey. All I have left is this water. It'll have to do. All right, Jared Gooden uh, submits Wellington Terman. Kind of a surprise there, um, but gets him down in the second round. Rear naked choke. That was a fun fight, too. Uh, pretty back and forth. And then Veronica Hardy, split decision win over Jamie Lynn Horth. Uh, excellent card overall. Absolutely. UFC Austin or UFC on ESPN 52, depending on how you're keeping track. Um yeah, fantastic card. So if you missed this, so many great fights, so many unique finishes. Um, you know, the controversial stoppage with Jalen Turner and Bobby Green. Don't let that take away from the performance of Jalen Turner, especially on short notice. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, back at the UFC Apex for Yarong Song against Chris Gutierrez. Before we get into that, let's talk a little bare knuckle. So we had BKFC 56 at the Maverick Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. I have to say, like, there were some good fights on this card. Um, it, it went a little late for me. So obviously it was on the was on the West Coast. So it didn't end till like after 1 a.m. here. So by the time Mike Perry and Eddie Alvarez made the walk, I was kind of over it already. Um, and and the fights before that were like, okay. Uh, the Jeremy Stevens and Jimmy Rivera fight was good. Uh, Jimmy Rivera was doing a great job working the body of Jeremy Stevens. He was landing a lot of great body shots. But then Jeremy Stevens was able to land a shot that basically shut the eye of Jimmy Rivera. And... Um, the doctor had to, to go ahead and stop that one because Jimmy couldn't see out of his eye. But it was a fun fight while it lasted. Um, the Adams and Terrell fight, which I guess was for the heavyweight championship, was really fun. Uh, so Mick Terrell 
is now the heavyweight champion of BKFC. Uh, that was a that was a back and forth fight, uh, and Adams had a lot of great moments in that fight as well. Uh, Kai Stewart is now the featherweight champion of the BKFC, or he re- retains the featherweight championship. No, he became the featherweight champion. In any case, Kai Stewart, who is an active uh, amateur wrestler, I believe, uh, BKFC champion now. <clears throat> he gets it done over Howard Davis uh, with a decision win. <laughs> and then Christine Fredea, uh defeats Beck Rawlings in the unanimous decision. Um, Ferreira pretty much dominated this fight. And Rawlings was not able to make any adjustments. She looked kind of flat in there. Um, yeah, I don't know what was going on with her, but she didn't seem quite herself. Uh, in any case, Ferreira remains the champion. And uh, that was that. So we get to the main event. And, you know, there was a lot of build up to this one. And... They, they had a pretty big crowd for a bare-knuckle event. I think they said there was 8,000 people in attendance in Salt Lake City. <clears throat> a lot of build-up, some good trash talk for this one. Um, the fight was okay. You know, Eddie Alvarez was clearly the faster fighter in there. He was able to land some good, clean shots on Mike Perry, but the size difference was so apparent. Uh, Mike Perry was was able to bully Eddie in the first round, and then in the second round, uh, I thought Eddie was winning, but <clears throat> same same sort of thing with the Jimmy Rivera fight. Eddie got caught with a shot um, that resulted in his eye swelling shut, and uh, the corner did the right thing and and threw in the proverbial towel. Uh, forfeiting the fight. So Mike Perry uh, defeated Eddie Alvarez uh, via corner stoppage. And like, okay, we saw it. You know, now they're talking about a rematch. I guess they did good numbers or or whatever. I don't need to see this again. Uh, I would love to see Eddie Alvarez come back to bare knuckle, but not at 175 pounds. Uh, and not against Mike Perry. Uh, they're talking about running it back in Philadelphia, um, which obviously is where uh, Eddie Alvarez is from. The the CEO of BKFC, Dave Feldman, is from around that area as well. Uh, I, I don't need to see that rematch. Uh, I saw the fight. I saw... I saw a guy uh, cause another guy's eye to swell shut. Um, and, and one guy was just a lot bigger than the other guy. And, and and not that I don't think Eddie could be competitive in a rematch. I do think he can. Um, but I just have no desire to see it. You know? I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I'm biased as well. I'll tell you guys honestly. 
I wanted to see after Perry won, I wanted to see Dave Mundell get in the get in the ring and challenge Mike Perry, and we could finally see these two square off. Uh, you know, Dave tried to call him out at the weigh-ins and got a little bit of uh of media coverage from that, a little bit of a spark. He was sitting front row. Uh, they didn't let him jump in there. Mike Perry calls out Conor McGregor, which is just stupid. Um, and then he kept talking about it at the post-fight press conference. He's like, oh, yeah, would it be cool if I could fight Conor McGregor? Like, we faced off that one time, remember? Um, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, Conor McGregor's under contract with the UFC, and they can't even get him to fight. Uh, you know, the, the guy's, like, damn near a billionaire. You're going to get him to come and, and fight you with with no gloves on? Like, let's... Let, let's get something realistic. And then, you know, there's this whole fake belt shit, which I hate. The king of violence belt, and then they won't have Mike Perry fight for the actual belt in his weight class. Um, and I get it, because right now Mike Perry is their cash cow. Um, he's he's their biggest draw. Um, you know, they want to keep giving him smaller guys that he can beat up. Uh, and that's fine, but you know, it would be nice to see some of the actual bare knuckle fighters get some recognition and get some opportunities here, uh, to make some money. Uh, <clears throat> and that's all I have to say about that. All right. So, well, I closed my tab with uh, the, the card for next week, so we'll just worry about that on Thursday. Um, it may be Thursday when I come to you guys with the Picks and Pours episode with Matt the Mechanic, um, and we'll talk about Song Yudong and Chris Gutierrez in a little bit more detail. So make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube so you can catch those episodes. Uh, turn on your notifications. Uh, we're gonna We're going to be doing those live as well. So you can jump in, join in on the fun of criticizing Matt the Mechanics picks with me. Uh, if you want to get some MMA on the Rocks merchandise, you know, Christmas is right around the corner, guys. Uh, buy yourself something nice. Uh, get yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence t-shirt, tank top, or hoodie. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your entire order. Uh, whether you're ordering my merchandise or not, uh, you know, there's a lot of local fighters and and professional fighters as well who are represented by Team Reaper. And uh, when you buy their merchandise, money goes right in their pocket. So if you're always advocating advocating for fighter pay, uh, go ahead and buy some merchandise and, and put some money in their pockets so they can, you know, get their diets in order and pay their coaches and do all that stuff, take care of all those expenses that come with uh, following their dreams. And... I think that's about it. We're, we'll cover news and stuff like that on Thursday as well. Hopefully my voice will be all the way back. Hopefully I'll have a stand for this microphone so I don't have to lean over the table to talk to you guys. But that's all I got for this week or for tonight. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Bye.